said. Amen. 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 Yeah. Welcome everybody in, in person and those of you online excited about what God's doing. God's amazing. He loves you. He loves me. That's amazing. That's truly amazing. You know that he knew you're going to be right here right now. Online, at home, whenever you listen to this message here in this house, singing and praising him. God knows, God knew, and God has a plan. And he loves us. And it's incredible that he would love us. You know who you are? You need to praise God for loving you. Seriously, for real, man. It's amazing. God is so good to us. He's so good to us. I want you to know uh, I lost a very uh, important person in my life this week. Not that I'm sharing that with you. Like, you know, we all go through these things in our life. And um, uh, two good things, uh, you know, God's amazing for one thing. But I have been meeting with my friend Roger, who is very dear to me in my life um, for the past almost eight solid years. Monday through Friday, I would meet him for coffee. And uh, I went there because, you know, that's, uh, I, y'all know me as a pastor, and I need to live in a real world as well, not just as a pastor, but as a Christian and as an evangelist. And so I have chosen to go to a Starbucks for the purpose of reaching out to people and say good morning. So I'm like the, the Walmart greeter. At, at, um, they don't pay me, but that's what I do. <laughs> So, yeah, I just go there and sit and say good morning to everybody that comes. Now, not everybody wants to be said good morning to, so some of them start parking on the other side and going in the other door. So I used to blame Roger for that. I would tell him, man, they know you, and so that's why they're going over there now. It has nothing to do with me. But uh, Roger um, is a very, very dear man to me. I love him very much, and uh, he... We shared Jesus many, many times with him. That's where I met him, on that patio. And uh, just got open doors to speak with him. Went through a lot of things in his life together with me. And, um, and he came down with COVID. Just, uh, he followed all the guidelines. He just, you know, just happens. And uh, he didn't last very long. But as we went, and I was going every day and uh, having window visits with him at the hospital, over at TMC, knock on the window when he gets his phone and talking to me and I was like Roger you know we talked about Jesus this is no time to mess around you I I want to know you need to know that he's there you know because we talked about it not all the time just when the spirit of God opens that door and um, five days before he went to see Jesus uh, he finally said I know he's there after Look, man, I'm saying like after eight years. Wow. And this amazing God is so faithful. Yeah. He's amazing, man. Seriously. <laughs> His granddaughter went to see him. I'd seen him the day he went to be with Jesus on Thursday. His granddaughter. Um, yeah, anyway, I won't. I, she just went there. And she said when she was getting ready to leave, he had his hand raised up to heaven. And you know, he went to be with Jesus just a little while later. Amen. Now, yeah. So I, I'm telling you all this for some, how amazing God is, you know. My heart was broken. I love that man. I have, he is, you know, I love him. 
and my heart was broken. I'm so grateful. You know that, uh, you know, as believers, how we have that. The loss of life, the reality of our faith, the reality of heaven, but there's still loss and it hurts. But, you know, as I was praying and talking to God and I went outside in my horse pen where I usually spend a lot of time with God and God put that song we just sang in my heart. All my life you've been faithful. And all that. And, and you know, as, as God put that song in my heart, it's all I could do is walk around singing it and just rejoicing in who God is. Through what I felt inside, I still was having that rejoicing. And then, you know, like, I don't know what we're singing on Sundays till it comes on the screen. Like, you got, I could look, I just don't look. You know, I got other things to do. So I don't, I don't mean that like that. I just like, I trust those guys. But you know, God picked that. And I, I know it was good for you, but he did it for me. That's how much God cares for us. That I could stand here with my family in the midst of the things that happen in all of our lives and be reminded of the goodness of God. And as I sang that with you, just like, what? I'm blown away at God, I really am. That he would care about those little tiny details. You can blow it off if you want to, but listen, that's our God. Like, I don't even know how many weeks ago they picked the songs, but God knew. When I was out there in the horse pen, he said, sing this. I didn't say, hey, give me a song. This song came flooding into my heart. And as I began to rejoice in God through all that, and, and just, I, I look back over my life, the goodness of God is incredible in spite of the rottenness of Dave. I mean, he, he seriously, I mean, I don't care who you are. You, you don't deserve his grace. I don't deserve his grace. He doesn't owe us anything. God loves us. When I hear of people getting mad at God, I'm thinking like, come on, seriously? Do you know how often he could be mad at you and just say, you know, I had enough, you're done. <laughs> seriously, he's the one that gives us breath and he can take it at any moment. And he allows us to use that breath to be mad at him. Good. Wow, he's an amazing God. Yes, <laughs> Did you spend some time with him this week alone in prayer? Yes. Did you spend some time in his word this week? Yes. Do you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Yes. You know God's got a plan? Yes. That wasn't one of my accountability questions. <laughs> I want to read you some verses today because God has a plan. And, and we often screw it up. Seriously, he's given us a free will. God has a will for my life and yours. God has a plan for our life, but he does not mandate us to live his plan. He invites us to live his plan. That's love. That's what love is. See, like when I asked my wife to marry me, what I did is I invited her into a relationship until we would die. It was an invitation that she responded to. And together we're living in that relationship until death takes us. So as I think about that, I say, God, you're so incredible that you are offering us that kind of commitment. Come on and be with me. I will walk you through this, but not just till death do us part. Death will not part us. God says death will unite us. 
and I have something I want to give you in life. You see, when I invited my wife to marry me, I was a clueless kid, and I didn't even think about what I was offering her. I was inviting her into a life that I would provide for her, protect her, love her, meet her needs. And man, I had so much to learn. I'm still learning, by the way. Yeah, she's not here to say amen, so she's down teaching the kids. Otherwise, there would have been a loud amen right there, you know. So much to learn, don't we? So I want all of us to understand that in our relationship with God, none of us have arrived. I don't care who you are, how long you've walked with God, myself, all that I do, just because I'm a pastor, is like, I don't get this free pass or God says, you, you need to know more. He's like, I want you to know me. God invites us into that relationship so that we can know him. Man, I, I've been screwed up in my life by the church. I was raised in the church and my prayer today is that I don't screw anybody up. That I don't teach anything that's Dave, that's church, that we would hear from God. He has something to say to us today that you may not be comfortable with. It's okay. Please allow yourself to be uncomfortable. I'm not comfortable all the time either. When God talks to me, a lot of times I'm fidgeting. I'm like, you know... Let's not talk about that. <laughs> Your goodness is... <laughs> Let's go back there, you know? God's like, come here. I am good, and this is good. You know how your parents used to say, if you didn't have parents, I'm sorry, but, you know, like, and I'm being serious, like, you know, this is good for you. I'm doing this for your own good, and it's like, whatever. No way in that moment do you think it's for your good. I needed a lot more whoopings that I got. I, yeah, that was my brother saying amen. He got more than I did. That's why I didn't get as many, because they just got worn out on him. So, <laughs> But I needed more. But when you're a kid, you don't think so. And I'm not talking about abuse. I'm talking about a whooping, you know, like what a parent needs to do to a child that's stupid. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You're trying to give them wisdom, man. You know, it's like, dude, there's consequences when you do those things. And we need those. So God disciplines those he loves. God whoops us. I've been taken to the woodshed by God a lot of times. And it's not like, oh, thanks, let's do that again tomorrow. You know, it's like, <laughs> okay. So we're really going to change the topic here real fast. You ready? However... No one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. Matthew 24. So in this, Jesus is giving the disciples a teaching of near judgment of God, which was in 70 AD, Jerusalem would be destroyed and so would the temple. And he said it was going to be a horrific thing. And if you look into history, Josephus is one of our historians, not a biblical a historian, he's a historian from the world that is recognized from those days, said there was never, it was, it was just an incredible, horrific event that took place at the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple as the Romans slaughtered the people and the priests that were running to protect God's house and the bodies were piled up one upon another and the priests were trying to climb over other bodies to get in and protect and they were just slaughtering them. See, 
Jesus warned them this would come because of the rejection of Jesus Christ. That's our heater. I apologize. but So, as this was taking place and this destruction was, was happening, this was approximately 33, 34 A.D. when Jesus gave this message. And in 70 A.D., that came to pass. He also told them at the beginning of the chapter, you're going to be taken before councils and kings. You're going to be in prison, beaten, and you're going to be put to death for my name's sake. Read the book of Acts. That's what happened. It's like uh, we're going through the book of Acts in our Warriors men's group on Wednesdays, and Greg, um, he said, man, this needs to be renamed like UFC. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 21, as we're going through, because it's like brutal. It's happening constantly. All because of people having their faith in Jesus, preaching Jesus, living Jesus. Jesus' words came true in the lives of those that were listening as they stood before councils and the Spirit of God gave them boldness just like He said He would. As you go down through chapter 24, Jesus begins to tell them about things that were going to take place, things that were happening, clues of stuff. They were still clueless in the moment. While they were standing there hearing the message, they were clueless about the message. Seriously. They did not understand the message until the message was happening in the moment. Jesus then begins to talk about the very end of all time. And this is where we just read that verse, verse 36. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself, only the Father knows. So before you start saying, well, I thought Jesus was God. He is God, but he gave up. If you read scripture, his godness to become one of us and that he took on flesh to become like us lower than the angels. Scripture teaches us this. And so Jesus himself surrendered his foreknowledge of all things to become one of us, to grow in wisdom and stature as God's word says in the truth and to be filled with the Holy Spirit like you and I so that he could live this life. Let's go on and read this then. When the Son of Man returns, okay, listen, we just changed the page. Jesus is letting us know he's coming again. He didn't even leave the first time yet. But he's already teaching them, I'm going to come again. The church has talked about the second coming of Christ since then. When he ascended, the disciples were looking up like this, saying, like, expecting him to float right back down. Acts chapter 1, the angels are like, what are you doing? He told you to go to Galilee and wait. The Holy Spirit's going to fall or whatever, you know. And it's like, come on. So we've been looking like this for so long. Jesus has been trying to get his church to do this. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. All right, so we just listen to the Scriptures. What he's telling us right here, Jesus has given a direct teaching, and he's telling us that life is going to be normal when I come back. That doesn't mean your normal or mine or what was. He's saying life is going to be happening day to day like it always happens when I come. 
See that? That's what he just told us. But somehow we have failed in the church and in Christendom to understand that Jesus said, look, you're going to be living, marrying, having parties, going to work, doing life. And I'm going to show up. Okay. So Jesus teaches them this. This isn't the only teaching he gave that, but it's important that we understand that because he is teaching the apostles and disciples about what's going to happen in the future, just giving them a small glimpse saying, look, it's going to be like, I'm coming. Now we're going to that Acts chapter 1 and where they're about, he's about to go up into heaven. It's um, 40 days after he resurrected from the, the tomb. If you read the scriptures, you'll know all those dates and times. But listen, this is what's happening. Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Okay, let's go back to Matthew 24 for a second in our mind and say, Jesus said Jerusalem's going to be destroyed and so is the temple. And they're like, so when are we going to have this party and start being a free nation again? You see how clueless they were? They were clueless. We're not. We got it all figured out. <laughs> Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times and they are not for you to know. Live your life for Jesus and shut up. Amen. That's not biblical. That's just Dave. All right, I just want to make that clear. But what Jesus is saying is like, look, would you guys stop it? Stop looking for all these things to happen the way you think they're going to happen, the way you want them to happen. Do you see what they wanted was free reign. They wanted to be in charge. They wanted to call the shots. They wanted to kick the Romans out and live as a free people. That's what they wanted. We all want that. I'm not saying I don't want that. But see, as they focused on that and they continued to focus on that, they missed it. So, as we continue down the road of our current history, I hear a voice of prophecy continuing, rising, and saying, these are the last days. Look up. Okay? As a child, I heard these messages. I told you I grew up in the church, right? So as a kid, I'm sitting in the back. You know, that's where people sit when they don't want to be too close to the preacher. Get out the door. <laughs> Not you guys, I know. I'm talking about when I was a kid. Uh, but, but, I, but I'd sit back there, you know, and I would all of a sudden, I'd hear, there's a lot of people talking about, you know, the end times, the tribulation, the beast, the mark of the beast, and all that scary stuff, you know, and I'd be sitting back there scared to death, you know, because I'm thinking, man, Jesus is coming back today. I'm just a kid. I don't even have a chance to live, and I was mad at him. I was like, why would you come back? I don't want you here yet. I haven't got to drive a car yet. I haven't had to have sex yet. I haven't got to have kids or a family. Like, it's not okay that you come back. I need to live my life. But I was scared to death because I thought he was coming. 
Then they said, when I was like this big, like, well, we're going to be flying cars like the Jetsons when you get your license. I'm still waiting, man. I'm kind of bummed. <laughs> so anyway, I'm angry about God and all this. And then the good news that came through all of this fear stuff was there's going to be a rapture. So don't freak out too much. After we already freaked you out that you're going to die or the beast and the tribulation and all this stuff, well, well don't worry because there's a rapture. I'm not making fun of that. Just stay with me because we're going to look at what God's word says about this. So the good news was God has an escape plan for the people he loves. He's going to jerk you out just before all hell breaks loose. Don't worry. Right? So like I had this hope in the midst of my fear, but my fear seemed to always overcome the hope because I knew I wasn't living right. So this coming judgment of God that was going to bring hell upon earth, which it will, was something that I was scared of, but then, you know, we would turn into First Thessalonians, I'm going to read it for you, chapter 4, where we have the account of a rapture, okay, and this is the scriptures in God's word, and we're going to listen to it in context and talk about it for a second, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. It's an important verse for us. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Amen. So encourage each other with these words. Amen. So what is the main point of this teaching? I'm not asking you to answer out loud. Listen to what we just read. The focus of the context of this scripture is to give us hope for those who have died already. It does not talk about escaping coming judgment. He doesn't say like, just before the tribulation comes, don't worry, I'm going to get you. But we've taught this as a rapture to escape the tribulation period. But what we are being told by God's word is, we need to encourage each other because when someone dies and we've lost them, our heart hurts and we have this grief that they're absent. And he's like, listen, they're with Jesus. You don't have to worry. We don't worry about death like the world. We have a hope that is found in Christ and they're not just hanging in limbo out there. The spirit is with God himself and he's going to raise their physical body from the grave. They're going to be united in the air and we're going to come and join them if we're alive. So he's talking about the resurrection of the dead. Not a rapture before the tribulation. Sorry. I'm not trying to tell you something like that's not biblical. I want to know what the Bible says. Because I was taught that just prior to the seven years of tribulation, Jesus is going to call me to heaven. And I'm like, oh, thank God I'm getting out of here before anything bad happens. 
You know, but all my life I've been thinking like, what about those people that live behind the Iron Curtain? You know, for 70 years they lived in communist Russia. No church allowed people imprisoned and killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. Don't you think they thought it was the end? Don't you thought it was all over? Don't I mean, just think about it, church, as they were meeting in basements in the woods and in different places to try and assemble as the body of Christ. Don't you think they thought this is it? When Hitler came to power, don't you think there were people that said, there's the Antichrist? Yeah. Huh. What about that? So I look at this and I'm like, Lord, what are you teaching us? The focus here is on those who have died in faith in the hope that we have in Jesus' second coming that we are going to be reunited in his presence forever. Hmm. Okay. So now, as we consider this, don't turn me off because you have your own prophetic ideas because I'm not trying to preach a prophetic idea. I want us to look at what God's word says to us so that we don't get lost in prophetic ideas and lose what God is trying to speak to us because there was, there was confusion over this matter. There still is today. And obviously, there was confusion in the church in Thessalonica as well. Because there is a second letter written to them where this subject is addressed again. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say the day of the Lord has already begun. This was written how many years ago? Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. Even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say. For that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back. For he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. The man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> wow, man, when I'm reading that, I like, I feel this wave of like, I got chills on my back. It's like, yeah. <laughs> Think you're God all you want to, man, but you're going down. Yeah. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will, every kind, he will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because 
They refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. Amen. Powerful stuff, man. Here's what God's giving us. He's saying, you know, you guys keep screwing this up. I'm trying to help you. Look, there's good some things that are undeniable happening that you will see when I'm coming back. Okay? Someone's sitting in the temple of God claiming to be God and claiming to be the God above all gods of the world. Huh. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed. Don't believe them. Are you listening to what the Word of God's telling the church? Who do you think is holding it back? God. He's in control. Like, I keep hearing this stuff like from the church and the prophets and we're all like scared and we think this darkness is creating this power and it's like right there in the Word. He's like, do you know who's holding that down? It's God. And they're not coming out until He says, okay, go ahead. He's got it. Church, He's got it. There's, there's stuff going on in secret. That's because God's leaving it in secret. Is there secret stuff going on? Church, Yes. Is there darkness going on? Do they think they're going to win? Yes. The devil still thinks he's going to win. I'm sure of it. So not only is Jesus holding them back, actually the devil doesn't think he's going to win. He knows he's going to lose. He's just doing everything he can to screw up everything God had planned for us. Hmm. See, the spirit of darkness only has the power and opportunity allowed them by God. For he is all-powerful, not that. The man of lawlessness will be revealed. But the Lord Jesus will slay him. I mean, see, everything about the second coming of Christ is about our victory in Jesus, our hope in Jesus. Not a fear thing. It's not a, oh no, I hope I'm gone before that happens. It's a, man, I want to be a part of that. (laughs) Man, I, I want to see that with my own eyes. I can't wait to be right there with him when he knocks that sucker down with the word, which is the sword of his tongue, as he speaks truth and all that is alive falls and fails. Man, he's amazing. Yeah, victory in Jesus, man. Praise God. Look, we know darkness doesn't win, it doesn't rule. But somehow we've kind of like allowed that cloud to even cover the celebration of the final victory of Christ in the second coming. I mean, I don't know about you, but I see it. I'm hearing it. I grew up in it. It's like the church teaches this scary thing about the end times instead of the victory in Christ that comes through the end times. It is scary for the world and those who reject. God's word just told us that. He's like, they've rejected Jesus, therefore I'm going to let them believe this guy's it. And they're going to pay. Look in history. See in Jerusalem and you see that pile of bodies and all that. It's, they paid because they rejected the love of God. They rejected the Savior. A massacre, a slaughter took place because they rejected God. 
They rejected his offer of love. See, this is a part of God that we're real uncomfortable with. God is a righteous God. He is a holy God that demands righteousness. He's a God of wrath. And He will bring wrath when we oppose Him. The darkness doesn't win. Let's encourage each other with these things. The man of sin is not yet revealed. I don't see any miracles happening out there. I'm not telling you to give you a false hope that you're secure. Hey, don't worry about Jesus coming back. No, He's going to come back. It's going to be a day like any other day. But the truth is, the Word of God says, there's going to be one that sets himself up on the throne of God in the temple. Okay. All right. Let's see where we're going now. God will allow those who have refused Jesus to be deceived again God is the one in control not the darkness to receive the judgment so what I look at in in scripture again is the fact that we're not at the last day yet because of God's mercy and grace because God loves humanity because Jesus died for all sinners and he wants everyone to repent and come to know him and God's word declares this to us. This is God's word again, Second Peter chapter three. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. A thousand years is like a day. The Lord really isn't being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Wow. How often are we hearing this? (laughs) Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. The very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Looking forward to the day of God. Looking forward to the day of God. And hurrying it along. On that day, He will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to new heavens and a new earth that He's promised a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in His sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. Man, is that amazing? Come on, it's like all he's trying to do is say it's about getting people right with God, people saved, people living for him, living their lives right in hopes and waiting and anticipating the day that he returns. So we're supposed to be sharing our message of hope and salvation, not fears, not not any of that. It's sharing the hope of salvation in Christ. All right, we're not alone in death. We're not alone at the end. Jesus Christ is there for us and He will escort us through everything we face. The end times and the coming of Jesus is the ultimate victory in the celebration of the church. Nothing to be feared. It is the hope that Jesus gives us. So to share with your uh, Jehovah's Witness friends, I always point them to this scripture because they're like, you know, 144,000. I'm not making fun. I want you to hear me because they believed that 144,000 are the only ones that are going to heaven. 
So the first members of the Jehovah Witness Church made it. The rest of them are working to live here. So I said, have you ever read in Peter where it says the earth's going to burn? I said, I'm not going to be here. (laughs) I don't want to be a part of that. And if you're working to inherit that, I just want you to know you're going to not survive. So you're working for nothing. You can't earn your way into God's favor to give you a place on earth. Come on, man. Look at the Word of God. It's in their Bible too. Yes, they have additional scriptures that are not from God, just like the Mormons. And you can say anything you want about me. I don't care. I'm looking at God's Word and what God says. And when scriptures that people proclaim are scriptures, just like we read, don't align with the scriptures, those are wrong. That's a lie. Okay? So like, look, man, the truth is there's not going to, nobody's going to live on this earth. It's going to be melted because sin reigns here. And God is going to defeat and destroy all sin. Therefore, there's no way you could live in this climate, in this element, in this world, and be free from sin. Instead, God's going to say, I'm going to reestablish this thing, and my righteousness will reign, and it's going to be all new. See, that's why it's our hope and our celebration. Because church, you know this, every day you walk on planet earth, there is sin everywhere, and it's calling to you, and it's trying to get you to screw up and not live that holy life. That sin that reigns here is real, but my God reigns over all. And He says, I want you to know, I've got a plan. I'm going to work it out. I'm going to wipe that place out, but I need more people to know me. That's God's Word. Man, it's like, Lord, help us. Please help us to see the truth. Stop trying to figure the Word of God out like a Rubik's Cube. We're trying to line up all 66 books to say the message we want to say. Just listen to God. I never could do one of them things. <laughs> like, forget, I don't have the patience for that, you know? I got one side all the same color. I'm like, woohoo, victory. I'm walking away. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Let's look. Uh, you need to pray for me. See how fast my mind goes somewhere like that? That's why I couldn't do it, because it's like, yeah, I'm done. I got to go do something. Let's look back at Jesus' teaching about the end in Matthew 24. I'm going to reread a little bit of this because we're going to go further so that we can get a little better picture of what he's trying to tell us. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people enjoying banquets, parties, weddings, right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Good place to write a series of books on left behind. Anyway, (laughs) two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. So you too must keep watch. For you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Who is he talking to? He's talking to his followers. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Oh, so like Inauguration Day, couldn't have been it then. Come on, man. Seriously. 
Jesus is telling us something here. I'm not making light of things. Look, he's telling us it's going to be a day like every other day. That, that wasn't the rapture in the sense of the way we've taught it. It was the biblical rapture. What he's telling us is the Son of Man's coming when you're doing your work. Some of you will be sleeping in bed like you're supposed to be. It's nighttime. Some of you will be working side by side and it's going to happen. All right? He doesn't mention he doesn't. Reread read it right there. He doesn't say, and the one that's left is going to have hell to pay for the next seven years. I'm not making fun. There is a tribulation period. I don't understand all of it. I'm not here to tell you I get it. I don't get it. I don't care. I'm going to trust him and live for him in this moment, doing what I've been told to do, keeping my eyes on Jesus, sharing Jesus with everyone around me. I know that he's coming, and it could be today could be tomorrow and this is dave's honest truth i believe it could be in a thousand years too i just i want us to get a grip in this respect god's calendar does not hinge upon the united states of america i don't know where we got this idea from that just because our nation is crumbling before our eyes that god must be coming back do you know how many nations have crumbled all of them God still reigns. Stop viewing it through the Constitution. I'm not speaking bad about the Constitution. Don't misunderstand me. I'm saying we're trying to put prophecy into our country, and God's like, I am speaking about the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't isolate it to the United States. He loves us. But I want you to know that his judgment is falling because we've rejected him as a nation just like the nations in history have done when you turn your back on god there's hell to pay it's coming you know the only way we're going to get out of this repentance revival people turning to god no politician can save us please hear that again no politician can save us only Jesus. There is no hope for America, Canada, Mexico. You want me to name them all? It's Jesus. He is coming again. And we should look forward to that. Whatever we go through here, he's saying, I've got you. Trust me. Walk with me. Okay, so when I read this scripture, this is, this is the end of it. So it's supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> just kidding All right. when the end comes people aren't going to be up on a hill looking knock it off you know it's like yeah give me all your titles to your homes and then go up on that hill and watch for Jesus he'll be here day after tomorrow <laughs> why do I need the title of your homes then jeez people are so willingly stupid we just want to believe something it's like, look at what God says to us. See, Jesus is saying it's going to come on a normal, usual day. If you knew the day, you'd all be ready. But you'd wait till that day to get ready. He knows us. He knows us. Because we would. We'd go do our thing until that day. Then we'd be all about repentance. Crazy, isn't it? Okay, 
we need to live ready. That's what he was telling us in that context right there. You need to live ready. Yes. Every day, live ready. Are you a born-again Christian? Yes. You know you're saved? Yes. So I was asking uh, my buddy Roger why he's there in the hospital. Like, Roger, do you know Jesus in your heart? Well, I hope so. I said, that's not good enough, buddy. That's not good enough. You need to know he's there. I'm not going to accept that. God's not going to You can't accept that. You can't just hope there's something there. You need to know he's there. This salvation from Christ is not just coming to church. It's not because I said a certain prayer. It's when I accept him. See, God's done all the work, and he's invited us into that relationship, but I still have to say I do, right? My wife could have said I'll marry you, but if she didn't say I do, we weren't married. And it's that moment of acceptance that relationship begins. That's when we're born again. We're made new. Our names are changed. We're, we belong to somebody. It's all of that that God's word teaches. If you don't have that kind of relationship where you know, and he did tell me the next day, he knew. And I'm very grateful. Are you living ready? Yes. You got, uh, don't answer this one out loud because I'm, I'll just say it. Do you have any unfinished business? Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. I love you. He's just answering for everybody else. Do you have any people you need to forgive in your life? You still need to forgive yourself. Are there still things that you need to act on in obedience to what you already know the Lord has talked to you about? See, all this stuff. This is what Jesus told us. This is what the Word of God says. You've got to live ready. You've got to live right. What kind of holy lives are we supposed to live because we know He's coming? He says, you need to do this because I'm coming and it's going to be a day like any other. When you always think there's a tomorrow, one of these days there won't be a tomorrow. And he's telling us you need to get ready. He's coming back, so are you ready? If you're not ready and you've got any of that unfinished business, unforgiveness, forgiveness for yourself, any of that stuff, you need to get deal with it, man. Tomorrow's not going to work. It needs to happen today. The fullness of God that he has for us, church. Stand together. Those were my action steps. We are at the end. Come on. Stand up. If you want to come forward, come forward. You need to get right, be right, live right. And if you're not, you should be here. This is what it's all about. Jesus invited us in this relationship to be ready, to experience Him, to know Him, to live in the fullness of what it means to have a relationship with God. And I do relationship where things change. No longer am I out there playing the field. I commit to somebody. I'm not doing those other things. I'm living alone for Him. It's all about that. Father, we love You. Thank You for Jesus. Thank You for the hope that we have, that we know You're coming. But God, in the meanwhile, we have this incredible hope for those who have already died, that the Spirit is with You, God, and that You're going to resurrect us, and we're going to have an amazing time, God. For You have planned it for us, and we can't wait. Lord, I just want You to know I trust You with all of the tomorrows we may have. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. God, as we are praying to you right now, all of us gathered, not just those that are here at the altar, but those online, those at home, those that are on various campuses and different places, those in the house. us to be faithful witnesses to reach people with the good news of the gospel. Thank you for today, Lord. 
thank you for this moment in our lives with your truth. We love you. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things.